0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Founder Hour podcast. And this podcast is brought to you by Outer. Outer makes the world's most beautiful, comfortable, innovative, and high-quality outdoor furniture, all from sustainable materials, and is the only outdoor furniture with a patented built-in cover to make protecting it effortless. From teak chairs to fire pit tables, everything Outer makes has the look and feel of what you'd expect at a five-star resort for less than you'd pay at a big-box store for something that won't
1: last. Pat, and you know how much I love five. Star resorts. Oh yeah, I do. And as you know, Pat and I spend a lot of time outdoors, and we love hanging out on our outer couches. We're certain you'll love it too. For a limited time, get ten percent off and free shipping at LiveOuter.com. This is Outer's best offer anywhere. Anywhere. Only available to the Founder our listeners. Get ten percent off and free shipping at Live O U T E R. Let me say that again for all you alphabet geeks liveouter.com slash the founder hour. That's liveouter.com slash the founder hour. Terms and conditions apply. Let's get into the episode. Our
0: guest today is Andrew Cherng. Andrew is the co-founder and co-CEO of Panda Restaurant Group, the parent company of Panda Inn and Panda Express, the largest Asian dining concept in the United States. The brand has more than 2,500 locations worldwide and has been family owned and operated since the early 1980s by Andrew and his wife, Peggy. We spoke with Andrew about his upbringing in Asia and moving to the United States, how he got his start in restaurants, building the Panda Empire and the factors that have led to its success, the accomplishments he's most proud of, the story behind their world famous orange chicken, and much, much more. Please enjoy our conversation with Andrew Churng.
1: Uh So Andrew, we like to take it way, way back to when you know you're born, where you were born to give our listeners some sort of an introduction to your life before you became an entrepreneur, before you started Panda. Uh, So talk to us a little bit about where you were born.
2: I was born in China and uh, in a very small, well, not small, China. A lot of people, right? I was born in the farming community uh, next to the uh, river. It was the... uh, Gosh, we lived literally where by the rice field and, you know, neighbors, and, and I remember that much. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I don't. I don't remember that much because I don't remember. Then I went back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you were that's young when you when moved me. out of China. I left uh, when I was about, five years old. Hmm. And uh was that to Japan, Taiwan? No, to Taiwan. Taiwan. Well my dad uh worked in Shanghai. And uh in those days as a, a cook, so you work all year round. And you don't have a day off. There's no day off period. Okay. And so we was um, he gets to go home on special occasion, like when the restaurant closes or you make a special arrangement, you know. So there is no, like, couple of days off or one day off a week. You just work, work, work. And so it was very inefficient way of running a business. But the labor was cheap, probably. You know, you just, you know, you get paid a little bit, and that money you make feeds the family uh, in the countryside. And so that's that's
0: my beginning. Mm. What did you, when you were younger, I guess as far back as you can remember, what did you want to be when you grew up? Do you, do you remember? Ooh,
2: I don't think I remember what I want to do or who I want to be. I just didn't want to be poor. Yeah. I remember that. I remember that very, very
0: well. Were there people around you that you sort of saw that
2: weren't poor, where you saw what was possible? Well, you know, it's just all relative. I don't think everybody knew that uh, you were, I don't think anybody was more rich. You know, everybody lived in a, we call it the sort of the, the people that moved from uh, mainland China to Taiwan. okay They live in a part of the community, okay So they're not Taiwanese people, okay but those people are more eclectic, so they come from different part of China and following the military. Personnel and so forth, so we congregate in some area, so everybody had job. My dad was a chef, and uh, so there were not much in terms of difference in the, or not visibly at least. Yeah. No, who had more and so forth. You know, those days very early, I don't Mm -hmm. think anybody had much money. What about like culturally, like living in these different areas? How did that? like
0: shape your perspective on the world and different cultures and things like that, if at all.
2: You don't know any difference. You know, we all kind of neighbor and we all got along very well. And we knew each other quite well. You know, uh, the kids play together. I mean, there was no basketball. You just, you just hang around, right? You know, uh, and, I, I don't remember anything particular. Um, I do remember, for example, you know, I mean, people share food. You cook something, I cook something. And, you know, I bring something to you, you bring something to uh, back. In those days, um, for the older people, or the parents, everybody played mahjong. My dad did, my mom did, you know, our neighbor did and that's like a favorite uh, pastime right mm-hmm. and uh until until i left until i left taiwan when i was almost 14 uh we didn't have tv we don't have tv you have radio and uh that was big deal you know and there were some Sunday night special, um, you know, TV play. Oh, my God. They were very popular and very enticing, you know. Uh, Actually, they just started to have TV, like one, in a public area Mm -hmm. that everybody congregated, you know. So that was, what, 19... Early sixty, like mm-hmm. fifty nine, sixty, mm-hmm. yeah, around that time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And so you you said you left at fourteen. Um, did you leave to come to the United States at that time? No, I left uh, to to join my dad. My dad took a job in Chinatown in Japan, in Yokohama, and as a cook. Uh, he, as a as a cook, so we followed him like a year later. Mm -hmm. Now, going back a little bit, right, you know, um, I really didn't like the idea that being poor is really about, like, when I was in junior high, okay, I had to walk a long way to the bus station. I had to go across a river, and there's a bridge, okay? It seemed like a quite a bit of walk, right? And uh, I wanted to have a bicycle, you know? And we didn't get a bicycle. Finally, my cousin, okay, moved to Japan after my dad, okay? And he had a bicycle, and I inherited a bicycle. Oh, my God, the feeling of, like, owning a bicycle. He gave you his bicycle? He gave me his bicycle, right? You know, because he moved, right? Right. And how much could bicycle be? You know, can't be that much. But big deal, though. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, I remember I rode, like, it was like, I rode everywhere. The first couple days, I was exhausted. Such a liberating sensation. And, you know, having the bicycle was like, oh, my God. Now I can take bicycle and go to school mm-hmm. you know the ride is probably ugh, you know 20, 20, 20 30 minutes you know but that meant i had the freedom of being there you know all my you know all my time and everything just felt like wow yeah you know such a great uh uh, uh Change. Huge.
1: It clearly was a pivotal moment for you in terms of this sense of ownership, a sense of freedom. Why do you think that it had such a profound effect on you? Just this simple thing of, I have the freedom to go where I want to go, to get to where I want to be, to do it on my own terms. You know, kind of looking back now, you know, in your life throughout the years, why do you think that's played such an important role? Roll in your head i don't
2: know i think personality has a lot to do with it and uh i think i'm a good planner you know so i always uh was thinking you know what i want and and, and things like that you know
0: meaning like what you want just like manifesting something that you wanted, like that, in yeah, that way? Or? so
2: if I want something yeah. material-wise, right? You know, I always think about, oh, I want this, I want that, mm-hmm. you know? So I kind of think about those things. And I want to be there, I want to go here. Um, so I, I kind of think about these kind of things. So whatever I want to do, I want to be able to get there. Mm-hmm. What's your process for that? Do you have a process? I mean, like, you visualize,
0: you you have a goal, you visualize it. Is there more to it than that?
2: I don't have a process. I'm very creative that way. You know, so um, I think about something, then I kind of go back to it. I think about it, I think about it, I make a little discovery, I do something, I make changes so I put myself into that situation and then stay in there now I may do that with several things you know so I kind of I don't write it down necessarily Mm -hmm. because I think about it then I you know kind of inch myself forward in, in the ways that I do yeah and I get there and then I find something else. I want to get there, I want to get there, and things like that.
1: Andrew, you talk about your dad being a chef. I'm curious, did you guys have good food at home? And what sort of role did that play earlier on in your life?
2: Well, we would never uh, dealt that way, you know, in terms of like uh, the needs. And I remember uh, my mother would talk about it to say, you know, when we first moved to Taiwan, and she would be very embarrassed that we didn't have food, uh, so she had to go and buy a little bit of flour or something like that, and to make, you know, make food. Uh, And that was tough. And she still remembered she would say, Oh, you know, what neighbor would say, oh, What's in that? You know, mm-hmm. so oh, I buy a little bit of uh, 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 flowers to make something different to change flavor. In fact, that's the only thing that we're going to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so when you,
0: when did you end up coming to America? And was that for college
2: or? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you know, in Japan, um, the overseas Chinese, um, you know, we moved to Japan. My Japanese is, is okay, uh, speaking Japanese, but read and write, you know, forget it, right? Yeah. You know, and uh, all throughout my school years uh, in Japan, it was not a big deal and never really focused. And uh, it was very interesting that. Actually, I had predecessor, you know, uh, somebody that uh, came here, you know, to go to school in Kansas. Mm. Well, they're the only people I know. So they told me about it, and uh, and I had to, like, um, figure out how to get there, okay? And we didn't have transcript, you know, and, and you know, we certainly didn't have transcript in English. So I had to create it. You know, I had to put a... Create your own transcript. Oh, yeah. You know. <laughs> and, just put, put whatever grades you, you wanted. <laughs> whatever number I wanted yeah. to put, I could put, right? 97, and 98, <laughs> 92 and a half. <laughs> well, you know. There enough, in there. enough for me to be accepted. Yeah. And the only reason that I will come here is because of My friends. And uh, also, it did not require TOEFL or SAT. Oh, well, growing up in Japan, there's no way. It's like we barely speak English. Yeah. How how the heck are you gonna be able to even read those questions in English? So forget it. You know. So you do whatever. There was you nothing could. like foreign exchange or like you know like international programs and things. They like are like that at the time. Yeah. not in our. Nick of the woods, so right. to speak, right? Nobody did that, yeah. you know, and and today the school is much different now and much well run. You know, they hire English teacher, you know, and...
1: This is uh, back in Japan?
2: In Japan. You know, I still I still go visit yeah. there. So um, coming here was a struggle, frankly, and, you know, with my dad's, Salary, uh, we don't expect to go back to, you know, to visit on the vac- on vacation. Yeah, you know. So once you come here, you're pretty much here for a set. long time. You're yeah. set, right? You're set for, and you don't use telephone because uh, I think each minute in those days costs like three bucks. Hmm. Okay, you're right, and you know, so when you go to school and you actually, I had a, you have a mailbox mm-hmm. in the post office, you know. Like a P.O. PO how box. small, P.O. box. As is. a student. As a student, you know, so you don't get too many uh, letters anyway, but that's a highlight. Mm-hmm. You go, you know, you check on your mailbox, you know, hope you get something. And the sense of sort of a, uh, without the family, yeah. the importance of family. And it was very interesting. You know, it's like, uh, you know, there's a bit of loneliness and, like, out-of-placeness, mm-hmm. you know, uh, when you come here. And uh, you came by yourself. I came by myself. And, and were you
0: somebody that you were able to make friends pretty oh, quickly?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. We make a lot of friends, you know, and then we also have uh I went to a very small uh, college called Baker University in Baldwin, Kansas. And the the whole population in the schools, like 400 at at that time, you know. So uh, it was very small. And I would say maybe um, Asian or Chinese students, uh, there were probably 20, 30 of us. Out of 400. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, throughout different grades, right? So we all know each other, and we all see each other. And, uh, you know, some of them, their families are here, and not that many. And most of us, you know, we stayed in the dorm, and, you know, um, when the vacation comes, like uh, Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. or Christmas, well, everybody's going home, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, well, we stay in the dorm, and we cook, and we do whatever we do, you know. And so it was, uh, um, it was kind of, you know, it was kind of little less than what you want. Yeah, you know, because you can't see your family, right? Right.
0: I saw you studied, I think, mathematics, right? Mm-hmm. What was the thinking behind that? Um, what, like, did, did you have, like, a career in mind with that? Like, did you want to be a professor or go into engineering or anything like that? Or no, what was,
2: no. what Still, was it? All, all through that, <laughs> you know, the reason I took math is because there were no English in there. You know, <laughs> so I could yeah. at least follow that. Right, And uh And Peggy actually is a much better student. Is Peggy wife? is your wife. Yeah, yeah. And, uh. So uh, when we were study together... She I was also at Baker? She was at Baker. And, Baker, and um, also doing over, mathematics, right? She's actually pretty good in science, math, you know, and other subjects, physics and, and, and other things. So she would actually uh, explain to me, you know, teach me better than the professor. she would make it simple and I would actually understand it and be able to take a test and pass. You know? And so there's a difference. And, you know, so I took courses like German. Well, the reason I took German is because that professor is very friendly. Mm
1: -hmm. He doesn't
2: flunk people. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know? So, to get by. Basically, to get by. You know? And, same thing, you know, uh, even with grad school, uh, we went to, uh, we went from, actually Peggy went from Baker to Oregon State. Then we all met back in uh, uh, University of Missouri and for computer science. Mm-hmm. And the, but they were very beginning of computer science, so the department is called Apply Math. Got it. People think I'm a mass genius. Please. <laughs> yeah. Okay, nothing like that. Yeah. So when you and Peggy met, was it like a an
0: instant connection? Like you met in college and you started dating right away? Or what was the... Yeah, I
2: was there uh, freshman year. She was there second year, you know. Mm-hmm. So anybody pretty coming new, <laughs> you know, you pay attention. Yeah. We hit it off, you know. Yeah. Yeah. She, her, were
1: her... Parents here, or they were also in Japan?
2: Uh, Her parents were in Hong Kong.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah. We have people from Hong Kong. We have people from, you know, other places as well, you know, Southeast Asia.
1: Yeah. Did did your parents have any sorts of plans to come to the U.S.?
2: No, not at the beginning. Yeah. You know, so every summer uh, in my school years, every little vacation, I was working in New York City uh, because my father's friend uh got me a job. So In finance? No, in a restaurant. Got it. So every little vacation that I had, you know, I would make myself available to go to New York City. And in fact, all throughout my student years, there was a waiter job for me. Every year. Did you enjoy that? Yeah. I was very comfortable with it, you know, and, uh, it was a good source of income, you know, uh, and you save some money that way, you know, um, it was good. What what restaurants were you working? What type of restaurants were you working It was a Chinese restaurant on 94th and Broadway. It's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and, uh. And the restaurant opens, like, for lunch, dinner, and late dinner. Mm -hmm. So they close at 1 Mm o'clock. 1 a.m. 1 a.m., yeah. So you either work from 11 uh, in the morning until 9. Or you could do a late shift from not 5 o'clock, like you come in before 5, Right from 5 o'clock until 1 o'clock. So so uh, there were two different shifts, you know. And uh, sometimes I do both. When you were there, did you get any sort of exposure
0: into the business of running a restaurant that maybe inspired you in some way, maybe subconsciously, to eventually want to get into the food business? I was really getting by.
2: I was really getting by. You know, I was not... Uh, I would say not focused is the is like nothing to think about. Yeah, you weren't thinking from you know, the, on those no, terms. You're just, think I'm about, just you working know. to make money. But I, as as far as I can remember, though, you know, when I was in school in high school, and when I had a responsibility um, to be appointed by the teacher as the Sort of student in charge
1: Like a representative,
2: know. yeah, in our class, we only have like maybe twenty people, okay, very small classes. I felt like any time I was giving a responsibility, I was pretty responsible, so actually, you know, with my with my normal work, always going back to New York, if I uh I would be natural to go back and you know go back to open restaurants or would do whatever you know, in New York. And in nineteen seventy two, this is actually very pivotal, and my cousin showed up. The on same the East one that Coast. gave you the
0: bicycle? Yeah.
2: And he came first he came first in, you know, uh so the whole family came to Washington D.C., actually Virginia. Okay, including your parents? No. Oh, his uh, his family. His parents, you know. So everybody came, and I, uh, I learned that he rented a restaurant, you know, in Hollywood on Highland and uh, Hollywood Boulevard. It's on Highland actually. Yeah. Okay, it's called Ting Ho. I was like. Really, I never hear people, you know, like lease a restaurant. I don't think you guys have to either, right? You know, it just doesn't happen. I thought, oh, maybe you're getting cheated, right? You know, (laughs) but it was true. So I actually went and flew to uh, pick up all the kids, you know, whatever their belongings, a little Audi, you know, and drove it all the way from Virginia to Hollywood, and this is uh, like in July, yeah, and uh, I started working for my cousin as a manager, mm-hmm. you know my I was the first manager, and the first thing I did was the restaurant opened six days a week. Mm-hmm. They closed Tuesdays. I'm like, why do you close Tuesdays, okay And I was getting paid eight hundred bucks, okay. I suggest we open on Tuesday. And I was still getting paid $800. Yeah. You know, but I didn't care. Yeah. Okay, I just think, you know, I just think you should do that. And I was actually very comfortable uh, being in charge there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I felt like I was not intimidated by the group that was left over there Mm.
1: and you're how old at this time like 22 23
2: um this is 1972 after you had gotten your master's right right so i was what uh 24 Mm -hmm. yeah 24
0: and did you feel like at that time this was going to be like what you ended up doing like your kind of career in food or, or not really
2: Actually, you know, the life is actually very interesting. It turned out, I don't remember, but it turned out my parents was migrating here. Okay, they landed here in October. Okay, so I came to Hollywood in July. They came in October. I knew that, uh, like not planning it in that way. And... So the whole family showed up. Now I started to pay attention about, oh, I want to open a restaurant myself. And so that's how uh, the whole idea is of, like, let's do a restaurant together.
0: Why did you want to open up one for yourself? Like, what was the thinking behind that? Did you, you wanted to, were you thinking far ahead in terms of, you know, being an entrepreneur and business owner and the life that that could bring you? Or did you just want to take matters into your own hands, be your own boss? Like was there any reasoning as to like why you would want to leave your cousin's restaurant and start your own?:
2: Well, that's the only thing I know. You know that's the only thing I know, the restaurants. And in those days, there were not a lot of uh, you know competing um, opportunities. So with my dad being a chef, he never owned a restaurant before. you know, So I started looking it there were look there were no like big ideas and like it wasn't uh, like tech you know it wasn't like you know i'm going to you know be rich i'm going to start business i'm going to do this then that it wasn't at all like that it was just like oh sure i mean you know Just make else money what 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 else can you do to make a living but but i'm
0: curious why did you feel like would want to take the ownership route as opposed to just working your way up in, you know, as a manager in the restaurant, and you know, maybe maybe opening that, up more restaurants? That one
2: is, you know, I don't like. I mean, I wanted to be in business yeah. because when I was in Chinatown, my dad was a chef. All my classmate, most of my classmates or schoolmate, you know, they all they all were people born like families that been there for years. Most of them had restaurants. Mm. So my dad was a chef. At the so the idea they of owning a restaurant, yeah. you know, it's, it's like, wow, that would be nice, right? That would be cool. And I did have that in, in the back of my mind. And at this time, Andrew, are,
1: are you and Peggy married or what's, what's the no. situation with her and you?
2: No, I, you know, she actually stayed in school. You know, I finished my master's and... Uh, And so I came out, and she would actually come visit me, you know, so we stayed in touch. In Hollywood. In Hollywood, you know. So, um, I mean, looking for a place to open, that was the process, right? You know, because my dad worked all his life. He actually ended up coming here with $20,000. And by the time we're getting ready to open the restaurants, okay, we have 15000 We borrowed 15000 from my cousin. We took in a partner for 10000 And, you know, I um, I borrowed $20,000 as an SBA loan yeah. and signed this much paper, maybe yeah. this much paper.
0: Right? And we're talking about the first Panda Inn in Pasadena, right? Now. Yes, hmm Yes, which was I think a year after that, right? It's 1973. Yeah, it, we opened.
2: Yeah, yeah. We 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 found the place in 1972, mm-hmm. and you know this great gentleman, you know, very successful actually, has a restaurant called House of Quang, You know, you have to go back in Woodland Hill. Okay, okay. I kind of grew up in in that area, so yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll check yeah. It out. You know, it's on, on the on the on the right side, you know, going towards there. You know, he was very nice, you know. And some crazy broker took me there and was saying, you know, Eddie Kwan wants to retire, you can buy his restaurant. I'm like, where do I have the money, right? So it wandered up, we found a closed restaurant on Fodil Bulba. That's where we are. Mm-hmm. Okay. And with the minimum Uh, money spent which is alter a few things so we can open the restaurant Mm -hmm. so it's nothing fancy you know we did some paintings I hired one of our customers as a designer Uh, she gave me some ideas about what to do you know and she also gave me uh, a contractor uh, called Jerry you know he helped us but he only come on the weekends to help us. So this would have been maybe, if you did it like every day, maybe two, three weeks, a month at the most, we dragged down for like six months to get open. So it was a very hard
1: process. It's, it sounds like the process today, not not much has changed in terms well, of the contractor's
2: time. You know, but because we don't have money. Yeah. Okay. The whole process was tough. Yeah. And you know we could do whatever we could do, um, but when it come to electrical plumbing, is forget it, right. How you did know? how did you start to come up with
0: the idea of what to offer like on the menu? What was sort of the state of Ch- American Chinese food, if, if at all? Was there even like a different or, or a
2: certain type of menu you well, were trying we're to? Copy for? from Ting Ho. Yeah a copy from, you know, the restaurants that's in place, okay? And the menu were practically the same from other people, you know? And you don't know any better, okay? But I do know one thing. We were very different than, you know, like a mile and a half down on Warner. There's a saying, well, they cook things differently. They use a lot of bean sprouts. I mean, tons and tons of bean sprouts. Okay. And some of the restaurants were very lacking in terms of, you know, you will hang a big light in the room like this, okay, and, you know, with these lanterns. And they were very, uh, very uh, white. You know, everything's white, maybe with a little red, you know, and I didn't like that. So I wanted a little bit more than that, you know. So that was a little different. But I knew, though, I knew my dad was a good cook. You know, I knew that he was a very good at what he does, right? I mean, he run kitchen, you know. So basically, and I really actually looked around and, and checked out, you know, everybody else. I was actually really confident that we're going to do well. Mm. And so finally we opened June 29, 1973. You know, I thought we were going to be a hit. But 1973 was a different time. And plus, the very same like few months that we opened, we have a guy open right across from us just like that. You can Tr- see a Chinese China. restaurant. Another Chinese restaurant. There was another one down the street. Okay. I'm like, come on, you know. <laughs> so what happened, you know? And I don't think oh they're both gone now, right? <laughs> you know, they're both gone. But how do you get like three wow. restaurant open in within like six months of each one another. Okay, we survived that, you know. However, building that business, you know, remember I, you know, I thought we're gonna be like this. Mm-hmm. No, no, it was not like that at all. You know, uh, on the weekend we do a thousand, come Monday, you know, two, $300. I mean, even those days, that was very, very, very were, were there,
0: slow. Were there days that you thought, maybe I should just not do this anymore?
2: I don't think I have a choice. It's like, if I could that one. Yeah, I'm in too uh, deep already. I just have to grind like it out. I'm like, you know, what am I going to do? Yeah, I'm just going to stay here and, and grind it out, right? You actually, I actually don't even think I had that choice, you know I do remember i sh- you know I do remember one day at eight o'clock at night at zero customer zero then there a doctor and his wife showed up I'm like, oh my God, you know thank you very much, right so the desperation that you uh you had you know it's like man. This is hard, yeah. You know, it's like on the weekend, yeah, it felt pretty good. Where is everybody? Where is everybody? You know, uh, like Monday night's always been very bad. Mm. Monday night football, yeah. Of course, you know, you just have and to put a TV up and just have I to hate it. that goddamn day, right? <laughs> you know, like you know. And so, no matter what you did, Monday night comes. Sh- you know, Andrew, what was, what
1: was the demographic of Pasadena and just overall the San Gabriel Valley at the time? I mean, I mean, obviously now there's a, a there's a big Asian population. There's a big Middle Eastern population. I mean, there, it's just a very diverse, obviously, region here in Southern California. But at the time, who was there and like, who are you marketing to and who
2: are your customers? We were not uh, marketing to Asians at all, you know, and Uh, Was that on uh, purpose? No, no, no. Just the neighborhood. Yeah, neighborhood. And uh, in Altadena, we had a a pretty robust uh, uh, Armenian community. Yep. You know, and I knew those people. Those those were uh, those people were more like me. Yeah, Pat and I are both Armenian. Yeah, because they because they uh, uh, immigrant mentality immigrant mentality they were nice and kind people they're also in business they were also they also like start like me with nothing right right you know too many of them like that so we you know we know uh, quite a bit of those people they're yeah. very nice yeah yeah so um, we'll
1: let them know mm-hmm. that they're doing a good job
0: so I, I guess at what point do you start feeling like okay we're, we're onto something the business is starting to go somewhere and people are starting to come and you're, you know,
2: we actually know. started to, there was a big change. We bought a liquor license. And a friend of mine, my dad, helped us to co-sign the loan mm-hmm. so we could buy a liquor license. We don't have a bar. Yeah. And, you know, you work with one of these beverage company, they rented us a little stand. You know, we stuck that in the kitchen. Okay. That was the beginning of a bar. Mm-hmm. From that day on, okay, we have never done anything less than $400. Yeah. Just because of the bar.
0: Because of the bar. Not to mention the margins, I'm sure, are pretty good. Well,
2: I don't think we had that much of. You know, like a liquor cell, yeah, liquor cell. Oh, okay. You know, because the availability for whatever, right? Once you have a liquor license, you draw a. That was necessary for some people to visit you. Yeah, that was a big deal.
0: This episode is brought to you by More Than Profit. If you enjoy the Founder Hour, we think you'll enjoy this podcast too. It celebrates entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders that are living and working with purpose. The host, Bryce Butler, sits down with his guests and shares personal stories about what it's like to succeed and even fail. But more than that, what motivates them beyond just profit to press forward in their work and as a leader. Check out More Than Profit wherever you get your podcasts or at www.morethanprofit.fm. This episode is brought to you by Jason Wu Beauty, affordable luxury makeup infused with skincare ingredients. Founded on the idea that beauty should be effortless and chic, Jason Wu Beauty is about really showing yourself through the beauty products, not being covered up by them. Whether you prefer minimal natural elegance or bold glamour, Jason Wu Beauty has the perfect products for you. With colors and shades that can be used with any skin tone, you can create countless looks to enhance your natural beauty and release your inner icon. You will feel beautiful. Confident and completely yourself, Jason Wu Beauty is clean and always cruelty free. Available now at Target, JCPenney, Shoppers Drug Mart, and Jason Wu That's J A S O N W U Beauty.com. All right, let's get back into the episode. So I think it was. I want to say like somewhat like 10 years or so after you opened Panda Inn, right? When Panda Express came about, am I right? Yes. How did that whole thing come together? I think it was in, in the Glendale Galleria was the first location, right?
2: Right. Right. Actually, actually I separately had a restaurant. Okay. About five years into uh Panda Inn. So I took my house. Mm-hmm. Okay, hogged it all, and collateralized. I lived in Glendale, mm-hmm. in the old Phillips Road, yeah. on the, on the mountainside, yeah. nice place, and opened a restaurant in Chinatown called Plum Tree Inn. I think it was
0: 1978,
2: mm-hmm. okay? And was actually pretty successful. We had very good following, Uh, it was a different time, you know? And we got a write-up in the LA time by Lois Duong. I don't know those (laughs) names. uh, Yep. You know, the newspaper is not that big of a deal, right? But that was a big deal. if you got a write-up on Sunday in LA time, that's when everyone's... You know, Yeah. yeah. We never made that a Panda inn. Yeah. okay.
0: And so what was different about this concept?
2: It was uh, uh maybe a little bit uh Asian more even more Asian. More like authentically Asian. Yeah, more yeah. uh yeah, more the, the, the items. Yeah. You know, catfish, yeah, yeah. um a few other things, you know. Uh the way it was cooking slightly different. Yeah. So it caught on like very, very quickly. And more Asian will come to us, you know. That was. And big you deal. said this one was in Chinatown. Chinatown, yeah. This was on North Hill, mm-hmm. right off the freeway, yeah. right. You know. So, um, and the we opened a our second Panda Inn in 1982. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was in between. Before we opened uh, the Panda Express in Glendale Galleria, 1983, that was the expansion of the phase two of the Glendale Galleria
1: mm-hmm.
2: Mall. Mall. Got it. So the the
0: Panda Inn in 82 was in the one in Glendale? Right. Yeah. On yeah. Maryland.
1: Uh, right?
2: Wilson. Wilson. Wilson.
1: Yeah. Wow, messed up my Glendale streets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not yeah. good. That was good that was, though. That, was, that good. was great, yeah. So how that did was a
2: paint shop before. Okay. So and I found the place and I bought the place uh from the owner and he financed for me. <laughs> okay. Wow. Like Must have been a
0: big fan of the Pasadena location or something.
2: Well, you know, damn, I mean, you know, like you could buy something and they actually finance me to do it on their property. You know, of course they w- I would do that now because, uh, you know, they're putting so much improvement, you know, in the restaurant. Yeah. You're putting so much improvement in there. Yeah. So it, that was the second one. But Andrew, in that 10 years from 70 or
1: nine years, 73 to 82, had Panda Inn and Plumtree and Inn found enough success where, you were now comfortable investing that money into other concepts, or were you still having to borrow and finance these operations so that you're on a path
2: of growth? We were in a different place. Yeah. I would say uh money was much easier to come by now. Yeah. You know, so um so money wasn't an issue. And uh but I never actually went to the mall. I'd probably go to the mall, but I'd never pay attention to other concepts, you know, because if I did, I would not have opened a sort of a, you know, inline location Mm -hmm. where I did, right? You know, even though it was actually, you know, it was very, very well done, you know, and, and I just never did, you know, and I thought, well, what is that like? So I actually, you know, followed it. I actually went to uh, Hawaii and sat uh, in front of Patty's Kitchen, you know, for three days to learn what's going on with this quick service thing, you know. And I copied that. And, you know, we actually had barbecue, uh, pork, duck, you know, all the sort of barbecue items, Mm -hmm. you know, which is like very different because that was – like very authentic, right, you know. And it turned out, actually, the quick service was so much easier.
1: Hmm.
2: It was so much easier. And also, it opened the sort of my eyes towards doing business in the mall, in the food court. Hmm. Yep. Because I opened the restaurant right next to Gary. He had this... um pizza place called Di Maria, okay? And he taught me a lot about malls and, you know, where they are and so forth. I'm like, oh, really? So then I started to follow the malls, mm-hmm. you know? And and there wasn't
0: like a Chinese food, fast, casual
2: they were There were, but those days, though, those days were, you know, you actually uh, were... Following some expansion in the malls. You know, we opened the West Side uh, in 85. Before that, I think we went to uh, Ali Fair in Northern California and, you know, in the food court yeah. uh, situation. So I went to where the, they either expanded the the malls mm-hmm. or the new yeah. opportunity. So forget about, you know, you cannot go and open one where somebody's also was already there. So that was great. You know, yeah. so I went, you know, to Florida. I went to New York. And you're doing
0: all of this like privately. You didn't, you never went down a franchising path or wanted to go down that path, right? No. You wanted to keep it no. as a private family owned.
2: I just, you know, I just, uh, actually, I was the general contractor for the Glendale store. You know, Glendale store is still there, right, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I worked with my designer. Um, I was like, they call it like mall rat. <laughs> you know, so when you open the uh, store in the mall, well, because there are a lot of people that already there mm-hmm. working on other stores. So you can leverage that with other people, like your electrician, you're the plumber, you're the, uh, you know. So I hired some of these people and to come and help me build the stores. And I was the uh, general contractor, so I got up, like, really early, as you start working at 7 or earlier. So I was living in Glendale. I just rode down the hill, and I start working. Then meanwhile, you know, afterwards... When uh, the the contractor uh, they all go home, I would go home and clean up, and then go to go to work at the uh, panda in Pandane to do the night shift. I want to bring it back to Peggy because I'm sure she was a an
1: important part of this story. When did you guys get married? Uh, and and I'm curious what her thoughts were about all of this stuff that you were doing. Peggy was actually
2: working uh, professionally. She always had a job, you know, and she she worked for um, a subsidiary of uh, McDonald Douglas. We got married in 1975, hmm. okay, and all along, you know, she had a job. She had a job. She had a job, right? And until until I all. Uh, until number three daughter were born. She always worked. Afterwards, you know, around that time, we started to have more businesses now. You know, she had to quit. Yeah. You know, she was helping uh, with accounting, with the money. She's good at that stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the operational yeah. aspect
2: of it. The back-end operations. Yeah. But... the so our job is more like she's on the support side and I'm the, I'm the guy that would go get the, you know, get the lease. Yeah. Go like open, open the store, new store, hire people, you know, things like that. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, I want to talk about orange chicken. Mm-hmm. Everyone's favorite, right?
0: Everyone loves okay. orange chicken. Um, what's the story about how all that, I, I think it was, you had a chef and Andy. Right. Wow. Right. Um, how did how did this whole thing come You know, together? we worked
2: uh uh we worked in Hawaii and there's a restaurant called Patty's Kitchen. Yep. So Mr. Chung's number one daughter, her name's Patty. Got it. So he started a restaurant uh, called Patty's Kitchen. And Patty's Kitchen in those days, they probably were serving like two thousand meals. I mean huge following. And this was Chinese food or yeah, Chinese it was food. Chinese food. Chinese food in Hawaii. And, you know, in Hawaii and very inexpensive. Very inexpensive. So they their the plate lunch was two dollars and forty five cents mm. when we started. And huge following. Um so we uh when we opened in the new food court in Ala Moana, which is a coup because you get a space in Alamoana as a Chinese restaurant, oh my God, that's very difficult. And not only you get space there, you know, you're going against the mighty giants, you know, Paris Kitchen. Mm. And so we all uh, were eventually going to be in the food court. So we're here. They're like adjacent to us. They're bigger than us. They, have dim sum, they have, you know. We actually follow them. Okay, they have a they have a chicken. It's called a mini chicken. Is bone in orange chicken? Hmm. Hmm. Okay. We actually took that and got rid of the bone and altered the the taste a bit without the bone. Huh. Okay, and Andy did that. Yeah. Okay. And so that became orange chicken. Wow. How what was the,
0: the thinking behind doing that? Was it just it's gonna be easier for people to eat and just
2: well, you know, quicker? I think I think when people go to uh come from say that way of thinking, right? They always did it that way. That's fine. But we come from California. I mean, who has chicken with bones? Right. You know, so that was the difference. Mm-hmm. You know. And frankly, you know, these are the kind of like little improvement we make. You know, we actually did we actually did have like remember barbecue, right? They did barbecue, you know, and we did barbecue. They did ducks, uh chassis. Then on top of that, we actually did uh, uh, roast pork with the skins, like really crispy. You mm-hmm. cut a, like pork uh, you belly almost. Your, pork belly, yeah. Mm-hmm. You punctuated. We did that really, really well. i And mean, really delicious too, you know. So anything we did, okay, their food is, I don't think they were, you know, we come from a food service restaurant, so our chef, were very well trained. Okay. And we didn't have like started with a quick service mentality. Mm-hmm. So everything we did was pretty particular. Okay. And the things that we tried all came from Panda. Right. Okay. The stuff that we sold and was popular, we kept it. The the stuff that we, you know, didn't sell very well or didn't present itself very well, we changed. So, like, my favorite dish is mushu, mm-hmm. mushu pork. Mm-hmm. You know, I loved it. You know, it's very hard to present that. You know, we, we did that, but we did that for a while. It didn't go very far, mm-hmm. and so we changed it, right. you know. Andrew, and, how, did, and
1: how did you manage, and even today I guess this question is relevant, but how did you manage your time between, you know, new store development, menu development, you know, Human resources, hiring. you know, just everything, right? Like, how how did you manage being a father, a husband? How did you manage your time? Were you sleeping at all? I mean, like, how, how was your routine like?
2: My routine is actually, you know, I'm just sort of a get it done kind of person, right? You know, so like people think about you know doing something, then they have to figure out like who do I get help from, you know, so. so I wanted to open uh, Glendale Galleria. Okay, I went to it. I found out, hey, you know, I could do it this way. I just started getting it done. You know, I probably, like, you know, made so many mistakes. Right, but you did it. But I did it. You know, I got it. I got it open. Damn it! You know, it was really nice. The store looks beautiful. You know, I worked with the designer. He helped me with the Glendale design, okay? I worked with Nick. Then I hired Nick to come in-house, okay? I hired him to come in-house. So, and, you know, he did, we have a kind of deep space. So where do you put the steam table? Right. In the front? There's too many many people sitting in the back. In in the back, it's too far from the uh, front door. So we finally settled, right? You know, after how many versions, like twenty versions of it, okay? It was like a unrelenting, uncompromising. Right. So Nick, Nick was, was was do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again, right? Finally, he called me from like uh, uh, San Francisco one day. He says, Andy- "Andrew, I got it." Okay, so he was with us for maybe fifteen, twenty years, uh, you know, as our chief designer okay i mean you know so i still talk to him once in a while he still live in hollywood yeah so getting it done right you know through whatever means that i had i was very comfortable mm-hmm. you know i had a lot of ideas and uh i'm also very quick to change yeah if it doesn't work Yep. you're flexible you're flexible yeah. I'm very flexible
1: yeah. yeah i think it's a good lesson i think in general for entrepreneurship is a lot of people overthink things right you come up with an idea and you're like and we've done it everybody's done it it's like you come up with an idea you're like okay this is a good idea but it won't work because of this that that well maybe i shouldn't do it okay maybe i should do it instead it's just like okay no you have this idea give it a shot you're gonna make plenty of mistakes along the way you could i'm sure could have come up with an easier way to do it but you just got to get it done. And I think with entrepreneurship, especially when you're starting, because I'm sure it's a little different now. There, there's a process. You have a whole corporation. But early on, you just got to just gotta start. And then you can iterate along the way.
2: I think there's a couple of things, you know, from very early on. Okay, I think I'm very particular about not settling. You know, remember I did 20 versions of the layout, right? Because I didn't know. I didn't know what is the best, but after I, you know, whatever came out, if it doesn't fit like my ideal way of looking at it, I didn't accept it. So I will do it again, I'll do it again, I'll do it again. Okay? And then something, if I did it, you know, it didn't work out very well, I'll change it. You know, so whatever it is there, Okay, if well, I was not satisfied. I was very particular about not settling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Always wanted to a little bit more, a little different, right, a little bit better. But if you
0: spent all that time and it wasn't working out, you were quick to pivot. You were quick to just or be change. Like, yeah, quick you to know, change.
2: Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, I'm very big on execution. Okay, with panda Inn. If you work for panda if you're a waiter, Okay, our turnover was very fast, you know. And Panda went from, like, not very busy. You know, I made a change with some of the menu items for lunch. I made a smaller menu mm-hmm. that was, like, wonderful. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, you know. So instead of our business, like, so-so for lunch, we were lined up for lunch five days a week, Mm -hmm. okay? Because that small small lunch menu. Yeah. Because the last small lunch menu featured all of our good-tasting dishes, all included, at a very lower price, was very acceptable. You know, so out of 14 meals, okay, Saturday, Sunday morning, we use dinner, which is a mistake, right? You know, because... We still could have lunch menu, mm-hmm. even though there's no lunch. Uh, it's not work. Uh, well, no no, pe- no, no business busy work, uh, people working in the office, you know. But dinner, we were busy. Every night we were busy. So out of 14 meals, were two 12 meals. Most of the time we were, like lined up. So there, there are changes that you keep doing it. And then it hits. Yep. Oh, my God. It, this works.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, what would what would you say like the next, uh, I would say like five to ten years, maybe beyond if, if you already, I'm sure you're thinking beyond that uh, look like for Panda? I mean, besides obviously, I'm sure opening up new locations, is there other things
2: that you have? I'm trying different mind? things all the time. Yeah. But the theory though, you know, when you turn around and look at the the, the writing As inspiring better lives Yeah That's the thing What you do Okay What you do Is one thing How you do what you do Is something else That I'm very proud of Okay You know we share We share knowledge We want you To grow We want you To learn How to live a better life Okay Because I deeply believe That when your life is in a different place, then everything begins to change for the better. okay If you're messed up with different things, if you don't take care of that, okay whatever you do is going to be discounted. So we believe like when you change for the goodness of change, you know you you improve your personal life by learning, by doing good deeds, by helping people, by continually change and upgrade yourself, okay? So whatever you touch, whatever you do, is gonna be a difference. It is is proven with us, okay, that, you know, we love owning and running our own businesses. We have about 2,500 stores now, Mm -hmm. okay? And we run, what, 90% of it? Okay? We own and operate. We are the one of the biggest self-operated right. company. Yep. There is, okay? We have 50,000 people, okay? You cannot manage people. You cannot tell people, hey, with 50,000 people, you cannot tell people, you do this, you do that, you do this way, okay? You know, what we do is is about helping people to see what is possible at Panda. Mm. If you live this way, okay, you're, you're gonna get, you know, you start with us, you're gonna get promoted, you learn more skills. When you get promoted, you make more money, and then you get promoted again, you have bigger responsibility, you take on more, okay, and that will change your life. You know, you want a better life for your kids? Okay, well, we show you how to buy a house. We show you how to make our managers, you know, very young people uh, running our stores, you know, and they make $100,000. Mm-hmm. Now, in most part of, the, uh, uh, of this country, with 100000 you could go and get some credit and buy a home. Right. Okay, so this is what life is about for us. You know, one person at a time, one person at a time, you know? And in this country, we have so many single parents, broken families, you know? And we're doing our job one person at a time.
1: Andrew, I'm curious, for you, you know, you start in, obviously before 1972 is when your life starts, but 1972, 1973, the Panda story starts. And it's, like you said, it was just... You were getting by. It was what you had to do. There was really no other competing things going on. And then it grew into this, today, 50 years later, into this massive company. At what point in that 50-year time frame did you say to yourself, okay, obviously something's right here. Something is going well. I want this to become the massive company that it is because... I think that it had to take the founder, right? That's why we call it the Founder Hour. That's why we do these podcasts. The founder has to have that vision to say, I want to take it from zero to one, one to 10, but 10 to 1,000. When did that happen for
2: you? I don't know. You know. It's happening every day. It's happening every day with everything, right? So when you do this little thing very well, okay, you know, then you see the results of these little things. But what you do is apply that to like different aspects of what you do. Well, you know, I mean, they're, as big as we are, there's always people issue. There's always uh, cost issues, okay? There's always things to do to get better. You know, uh, the design get outdated. You know, we're not big with... Uh, drive-through as an example, okay. Our drive-through was kind of there, mm. you know, but after uh, after pandemic, you know, people use drive-through now. All of a sudden, our drive-through uh, is is too busy, and we're not set up very well. We need to change it, okay. So, so one thing changes, then the other things has to follow, you know. Um, we take we take not highly educated people and make them better so they go back to school we want them to take learning seriously because it changes the way you look at life yeah It, it changes the way you see possibilities so it's not like forced upon you I cannot force you to to look at things differently, mm-hmm. but if you if you do it our way, hopefully you get what we get. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what we're preaching, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like we're f- I'm forcing you to do it. Yeah, you know, when you see it, that like, oh wow, yeah, it is true. Yeah. Okay. So that actually makes our work a little easier. You know, we have a lot of people. I don't go around and just, you know, my job is to extend trust, okay? And I trust you, and I trust you will give your best uh, effort, and but not a, a blind effort because you're working on yourself, okay? Because you're good doing good deeds, you're helping people, okay? You're responsible, you have a good family, okay? And, and all these things together, you know, it adds up.
0: Yeah. What is the what would you say is like the legacy you hope to leave behind? Let's say a hundred years from now when they're thinking back uh, on you and what you've built and this incredible company, like what is what, what do you want people to say?
2: I think I'm living in I'm living in it. Okay, because who would have thought, you know, you start with like zero, you know, to be here. I don't feel like I'm at the end of my work, right? I'm still at the beginning of my work yeah. for next next umpteen years, whatever, you know, whatever uh, that I'm going to be doing. And, you know, I want to contribute because we generate a lot resources. That resources is a huge responsibility. You know, when I got started, you know, getting the goddamn restaurant built, yeah. you know, a two-week job, it took six six months. Now, you know, now we can do anything, well, you know, resource, we're not resource con- con- constrained. Okay? And so, why not, how do we take these resources and spread it around? Um, uh, spread it around. You know, We're very community-minded. You know, we raise a lot of money, okay, on behalf of our community, and we give back on top of it, you know, and we help. Uh, I go out of my way to be helpful. And I think uh, one of our values in giving, and giving is a practice, you know, we have to learn how to do that. So, yes, we do what we do. But what makes Panda uh, what I'm proud of, I think we did a lot of things right. We did it uh, with uh, the spirit of sharing. Okay, we learn together, we grow together, you know. We prosper together, you know. And what a wonderful place to be and continue to be. My God, I mean, you know, starting from one single place yeah. that didn't make money for almost three years to, you know, I think last week, uh, you know, in one week we did hundred and fifteen million dollars in sales. It's crazy. The first month I did twelve thousand dollars. <laughs> July 1st to July 31st, $12,000, $400 a day. 50 okay. years, right? Coming 50 upon. years later, okay? The multiple is unbelievable, yeah. right? Unbelievable. And also, we're providing quality goods at a reasonable price. We want to keep it that way, okay? We want to keep, we want to continue to deliver in you know, a quality, you know, value, and and also how we do it. When you think about the people that that you coming across at Panda, you say you know, you know they keep the restaurant clean. Uh, you know they're nice people. They're helpful to us. I want to come back. Okay, I trust these guys. Well, you know we do that. We have to continue to do that every day, because people don't feel. You know people don't. Uh, uh, come to you uh, by reputation and you don't show up. You know, I mean, we're not, you know, with the, with the labor challenges, you always have to uh, keep up. You have to upgrade. You know, so, what we say what we're going to do, we actually are able to deliver, right? And that's what life is about. You know, you have to show up. And I think that's a large responsibility. But, also, and also it's a great job, yeah, I mean, my God, mm-hmm. you know, uh, who could have ridden this you know today, looking back, it's not like I'm looking to chase a a bigger dream, I'm chasing how do I do it better, yeah, how do I share, how do I share the responsibility with everybody. How do we learn together? How do we change together? How do we grow together? How do we prosper together? And it's working, yeah. okay? I'm not shooting for like huge this, that, you know. Okay, that's never on my mind. And, you know, what's on my mind is what little things that we're not doing very well yet. You know, uh, why do we... uh Have complaints Why is there issues With this, with that You know Mm -hmm. How do we How do we inspire people So they come to work They want to Go up Above and beyond You know Be actually very happy To be here And they do the best You know And they have a purpose Because they are Doing their best So that they can build A better life For themselves And their family Andrew, you made a very clear decision, obviously, in
1: this last half a century to not sell the business and keep full ownership of it. And I know a few family members uh, now work for Panda. Um, I guess, what is your plan of succession when it comes to the leadership of this organization and then just this organization in general?
2: We actually are very mindful of you know, we have good plans in mind, okay? Uh, We have capable people and uh, um, we want to continue because money is is very um, important, okay? And that's the resources that allows you to, you know, to invest and to give back, what I think what we have created is a a huge responsibility to keep it going you know to keep it going there's a lot of work there's more work right you know and and it's also a a it's also a a very joyful thing I mean just think about it. My God, right? You know, but it's a big responsibility. So we have to be educated. We have to get extra help. So we're hiring people. We're upgrading all the time, you know, so we can deal with the challenges that come to us, you know, in the future. Mm -hmm.
1: You talk about investing, giving back. Where have you kind of focused your investments on? Where have you focused your philanthropy on?
2: we we Im- I personally like to invest things that that's related to our business, for example, when we grow okay we like to own the real estate, so we are in control when you work for the malls, the rents goes up every year by four or five percent okay so our profit goes down but when we buy real estate you know the escalation is very very slow, so our profit keep growing. You know that's an example, right? You know, and and when we um, when we pay better, when our people are doing well, they make Panda uh, a good place to come. They talk to other people. Because this is how we inspire others, right? Because I share with you, when I started with Panda, I started in the kitchen. I didn't do it. I didn't know anything. Well, now, you know, I'm running more than, I'm running an area. I'm making a couple hundred thousand. Okay. I own my homes. I own second house. My kids are going to school. These are real. These are real stories. So one person at a time. So we just need to do that, even more, uh, with frequency, as we get better. Because I believe when you live your life, you don't have the like living challenges. You know, a lot of people they're homeless now. Well, why are they homeless? Well, some of them had a chance to change it. They didn't. They didn't know any better. Okay. You know, most people—not most people. A lot of people live in this country. Okay, they don't—they don't do enough saving. You know, they have chance to buy a house. They didn't act on it. Okay, then they can't afford it anymore. You pay the rent. The rent keeps going up, and my keeps st- the my income stays the same. How is that gonna How is that gonna work out? Well, homeless. You know, so. We have a lot of issues out there in our community, and all we can do is, the area that I can help is the people that I work with, right? And I I go a little further. You know, our, our philanthropy is children-based. We're biggest, uh, we're one of the biggest supporters for uh, Children's Miracle Network, all the children's hospitals, okay, Um, schools, Boys and Girls Club, you know. So we have to help. We have to help to be a better example, and we will be a help. You know, we'll continue to uh, set an example, you know, uh, for our people, for everybody, you know, that, you know, I always say we're so blessed to be here. You know, where else can you do this, you know? And like I said, feel like I'm just beginning, you know? I mean, having so much and you can do more, you know? And we're blessed. There are opportunities everywhere, here still. You know, as as challenging as environment is, we're in a very good place. So uh, we need to go out and do more than our share uh, and more than I will share in terms of helping uh, people in need you know we'll continue to do that yeah
0: well Andrew this has been a wonderful conversation uh, thank you for your time thank you
2: thank you very much